0: Habits and Health, episode 14.
1: Welcome to the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. Brought to you by an educator and coach for anyone who wants to create a healthier life. Here's your host, Tony Winyard.
0: Welcome to another episode of the podcast where we give you ideas on habits you can create that will help your health in some way. Today's episode is with Dr. Paul Warrell, who is a specialist in helping people alleviate pain in proven non-surgical techniques to lead a life without pain. And so we're going to hear a lot more about how he came about to, to do that and how he actually helps people. If you do enjoy this episode, why not share it with anyone who you feel will get some benefit from it. And please do subscribe and leave a review. Hope you enjoy this week's show. Habits and health. My guest today is Dr. Paul Warrell. Did I did I pronounce that right?
1: Yes, you did.
0: Fantastic. How are you, Paul? Doing well. And you're in Dallas. Correct. And Dallas, how is Dallas today?
1: Uh, you know, it's rainy, but um, tolerable.
0: And what is it that you do, Paul?
1: I'm a family practice physician. Mm-hmm. I'm board certified in family medicine as well as sleep medicine. But I have a particular interest in seeing to it that people don't live with pain.
0: And how long have you been specializing in, in
1: those areas? I've been working with that for 40 years.
0: Wow. Okay. So you're pretty experienced. And yes. What was it? What was it that attracted you to that in the first place?
1: You know, years ago, I had a fall on the ice. And for 10 years, every day I had back pain, some days worse than others. And I was helping to teach a course to physicians. We had 185 doctors from all over the world in San Diego, teaching them about ligamentous articular strain techniques, techniques that were developed to help people with various neck, back, shoulder problems. Um, They were uh, developed actually in the 40s. And I I thought, there's a a problem here that that I have back pain and I'm teaching my fellow physicians how to take care of their patients with back pain when I I should certainly be able to take care of myself. And so I I thought, okay, physician, heal thyself. And um, I came up with some techniques and I've been using them for over 20 years without um, one day of back pain. I have not had one day of back pain in more than 20 years. And so I thought, I, I have to share this. This is, this is such good information that I, I don't want to just use it on the patients that I see, that I help every day. I want to spread the word. And so we put the book together, um, Resolving Pain is the name of the book. Mm-hmm. And with that, I offer basically a self-help manual on how people can take pain and make it go away.
0: And so what was it, how long did it take you to, to come up with the solutions that, that you have in, in a book or the recommendations?
1: You know, it was, it was a fairly simple concept that I started thinking, okay, what reasons are there for people having pain? Well, physical damage causes pain. Tear me, break me, cut me, um, bulge my disc and my root, give me arthritis. Physical damage is one reason why people hurt. And that was the reason that I gave myself when I suffered with the pain that I did for 10 years. And then it occurred to me that the only other reason why we hurt is we flinch, we wince, we guard. There's a response to pain that is somewhat predictable. We all flinch the same way with pain in the same areas. And I thought, well, there isn't really any other reason for pain than those two reasons, physical damage causing pain. And if you go around wadded up, of course, if you if you react to the pain in in such a way that your muscles are tense, then you're going to hurt from that. But I think if there's any genius to the concept, it is that there is no other reason other than those two reasons for having back pain. So I took it upon myself to determine how can I recognize the difference between the two? And so that's what the book is all about, how to recognize that you are indeed flinching, how to... Turn it off, and then how to sustain what you've turned off in such a way that you're successful in ongoingly not having back pain.
0: And would you say does most back pain come from people sit a lot, you know a lot of hours now at computers and so on? And it, so is are the number of back cases, uh, back pain, is it increasing quite a lot now?
1: You know, I've ongoingly seen patients who had neck, back, shoulder pain for years. And and typically, when I show them what to do to make the pain go away, of course, I work with them in the office to um, see to it that we stop the pain on the spot and then show them how to sustain the effect by holding themselves accountable for the way they hold themselves.
0: Um, what do you think about the um, – a lot of people, at the first sign of pain – they immediately take a painkiller to, you know, rather than trying to find out what is causing the pain, they just would take a painkiller instead. What, what do you think about that sort of um, reaction that a lot of people have?
1: You know, I would hope that people would look for other means of taking care of it than just popping pills.
0: Hmm. And, and how – so when if someone comes to see you, they've got severe back pain, for example – how long, typically? I mean, I, I realize this is a bit like asking how long is a piece of string, but how long might it take to to alleviate someone's pain?
1: You know, for people who come into my office, sometimes they're carried in, sometimes they're they're wheeled in in wheelchairs, sometimes they hobble in, and not uncommonly, they will walk out the door almost skipping and jumping with no pain at all.
0: Wow! And so, what is it that I mean? Because a lot of people go to see what chiropractors and osteopaths and so on. So what is it you're doing? That, are you doing something that's similar to, to what those people are doing or, or something very different?
1: Well, I do what you think of as classic manipulative techniques on my patients. And, and sometimes I give them injections of something to help calm them down. Because when people are in the throes of severe pain, it's difficult to negotiate with a self-protection mechanism. And that's really what I do. I have to be able to negotiate with the body. The most important thing I would say is don't do anything to provoke your self-protect mechanism. In other words, if there's something that you're doing that hurts, especially if it causes excruciating pain, it's going to provoke the body to respond in such a way that it continues to hurt. So this primitive self-protection mechanism is designed in such a way to keep us from Uh, dangerous situations. As as the car door slams, you don't have to stop and think about pulling your hand back out of the way to keep your fingers from being crushed. You just automatically do it. Mm -hmm. The problem is that pain, no matter what the reason, is interpreted by this primitive mechanism as an assault. And when you're assaulted, of course, you run and you have nowhere to go, and I call that a flinch. The difference between using the term spasm... And flinch is that spasm is a word that you would use for a victim. And I, I ask my patients to roll up their sleeves and take on a position of being a competent problem solver. They have to figure out how to recognize that the pain is just the information that they need to turn off the issue of how the body responds predictably to pain. It is human nature that says, when I hurt or think I'm going to hurt, I actually hold myself in a way that makes me hurt. Yeah. So you have to, as a competent problem solver, recognize that the pain is just the information you need to solve the problem. Um, in, in Dallas, we have, I'm sure you have the same in England, uh, that you have bumps in between the lanes. So when you move out of your lane, you start feeling bump, bump, bump. And I tell people, nobody likes driving on the bumps and nobody likes pain. But just like the bumps give us the information we need to get back in our lane, the pain gives us the information we need to know what we do to hold ourselves accountable and turn off our built-in self-protect mechanism.
0: And Once people come and see you and, and you've alleviated the pain wherever it might be, I'd imagine they will need to change certain habits that's caused the pain in the first place. So do, how do you help people with that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, there are certain key areas that you can check and find that you are are able to discover the information you need to monitor, and so that's key. There are a couple of places that I really like to utilize more than any other, and one is in the hand. There's a place right here, right here on the hand, that when you touch it, and I use my hand around my hand, use the knuckle of my thumb to pull it into my hand, so to speak, and find that there's just enough pressure that I can put on it that it causes discomfort. And when I recognize that, all I have to do is relax my shoulders, arms, and neck, and the pain in the hand goes away immediately.
0: One. You- this this podcast is audio only so the people will will be able to hear it but they won't see i mean i can see you now but when you're describing this no one will know where. so could you could you be able to explain it whereabouts on on the hand is it
1: yes at the at the base of the thumb where the wrist comes in to the base of the thumb is where you'll find a place that's tender almost mm-hmm. as if you were trying to shake your hand from the backside uh, right hand shaking the left or left shaking the right, putting the hand, the palm over the back of the other hand, the knuckle of the thumb lands just right at the base of the thumb as it comes into the wrist. And, and that's one of the areas that I use most commonly to have people recognize that they're in a pattern of flinching.
0: And so do you do you get them to do repeat this on a sort of frequent basis to, to, to prevent it from coming back?
1: Yes, the whole idea is how do, I, how do I, A, recognize it, B, do something about it, convince myself that indeed I turned off something that was making my hand uncomfortable, and then how do I adjust the way I live in my body? And some of it is imaging that I utilize in, in, in the book, um, like the idea of imaging that there is a helium balloon tied to the top of your head. And as you see it very clearly in your in your mind, that your head becomes lighter. And then I have people think about their center right in the middle of their chest as though they're filming a movie. I call it, this is my life, right? And as you film the movie or look as though you are blinded from your vision in your eyes and you see from your center, then recognizing that as you breathe out, you can drop your energy, utilizing the image of the helium balloon and, and the thought of, I can only see from the camera in the middle of my chest. And I tell people envision that this is a place called ah. And that as you feel that, you'll notice that if you go to check your hand, it doesn't hurt. And so when people ongoingly work at the idea of trying to see from that point of view, they're able to get more comfortable in their own skin. And so these are these are valuable tools in not only relieving pain, but when we talk about peace of mind, we interchangeably use the concept of being comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. So when people approach life from that point of view, they're able to... Turn off part of what feeds the pain mechanism. There's a certain threshold for reacting. And I, I speak to this in the book, that when people are tense or stressed or angry, frustrated, there's a certain body language associated with it. But when you watch people with pain in the back, like if you stab somebody in the back, their body reacts in exactly the same way that we do with those emotional states I just mentioned. So it's like you need to stay away from being angry and frustrated and focusing on stress. You need to find some means by which you focus on how good it feels to relax Mm -hmm. and then focusing on the more positive things of life that you're turning your attention toward seeing to it that you purposefully, as you film this movie called This Is My Life, point your camera at things that please you. I tell people in the absence of aggressive optimism is despair. In the absence of paying attention to what you're doing with your body, it starts tensing up because of this fear factor, this feeling that I'm being attacked and I have to defend myself. Well, everything I do to save myself from pain causes the pain.
0: Mm-hmm. And so what do you think about things such as meditation, for example? Do you, do you advise people to do things like that?
1: I think meditation makes a lot of sense. But it's one thing to go take a vacation, and it's another thing to come back with an attitude that, that you've actually gotten something from that, that holiday or vacation, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, what I'm working on as a concept in the book is having people live their meditation not just take a break and then go back to doing what was causing them to hurt or what was causing them to feel stress we hope you're enjoying this episode of the habits and health podcast where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy if you are looking for deep support to create the health and life you want we invite you to consider one-on-one coaching sessions with tony coaching sessions give you personalized guidance to fit your unique goals and life situation Only a limited number of spots are available, but you can easily get started by booking a free introductory call at tonywynyard.com. Now back to the show. If
0: someone has had pain for a long time, like for a number of years, and they come and see you, as opposed to someone who who gets pain and immediately comes and sees you, is there? if someone's had the pain for for many years, will it take a lot longer to, to solve that issue?
1: It's always a question of what does it take um, I talk about what, um, what size hammer does it take? Well, it depends on the size of the nail, right? If, right. It's a, if, it's, if it's a railroad tie, you need a sledgehammer, right? And so for people who are physically stronger or spiritually stronger, let's just say more stubborn, stubborn personality types, more aggressive personality types, they're going to have to work harder than someone who is of a weaker spirit, So people who are physically weaker can find fatigue in the muscles. that, That should bring me to the next point. I just talked about the first thing that I do when I talk to people about how do you break the habits that cause pain. Checking the hand, and you can then relax your upper part of your body, but the lower part of the body is a little bit more stubborn. As a matter of fact, you know, there's a place right on the outside of where you sit called the piriformis right mm-hmm. on the outside of the bone you sit on, that you'll find an inappropriately tender area. You could take a sock, make a ball, prop yourself on top of it, and you'll find that tender spot. And that represents only one thing, and that is that you're pulling your legs inside you. Well, you might just say that we're phylogenically related to turtles, that when we have pain or when we're frustrated or are angry, upset, that that we pull our arms, legs, and head inside our body as though we have a shell and we can find um, a place to, to hide from the pain or get away from it. Of course, we don't have a shell, and yet we still respond just exactly like turtles do. So when you prop yourself on that wad of sock, finding the inappropriately tender spot on the outside of the bone you sit on, then that, that's a recognition of the fact that, indeed, there's too much tone in that area, and that is the only reason why it would be inappropriately tender, then you hold it tight enough, long enough that you fatigue it to the point that, hey, I'm still sitting on this wad of sock, only it doesn't hurt anymore. And so there's recognition at that point that if I hold a muscle to muscle failure, and that's the second part of the the technique that I use, find it, drop it, like we did with the hand, or hold it tight enough, long enough to fatigue it and then recognize that there is no more tenderness in that area for a while. So it's like a temporary reprieve. And the concept that we're working on here is to hold it tight enough, long enough to find the reprieves and then string your temporary reprieves into a long-term success story.
0: What what advice would you give for people generally, what, what are the worst habits people can t- do consistently to, to bring pain upon themselves?
1: You know, I think you have to work on the idea of having peace of mind, like I talk about, that if, if you choose to be angry, you're going to respond in some way. And people get angry about having pain for a long time. Hmm. And, and people who are more confrontational personality types are confrontational with their pain. But that's exactly what the pain wants you to do. If you want to make a home for the pain, fight it.
0: When, when did you first decide to go about writing a book? And what was it that made you, what, what helped you make that decision?
1: You know, I was so excited when I figured out how to stop my own back pain and And, as I came across the thought that there's pain from physical damage and there's pain from reaction to the uh, from the the damage, so to speak, and those are the only two reasons I thought, you know this is this is something that I can't imagine how valuable this might be, but I bet i could I could help people as much as fifty percent with their pain. But the fact of the matter is, that all of my pain went away. It's not because it was in my head. It was because of how I was interacting with the pain that was causing me to continue to hurt. So it was a misunderstanding. When people saw me walking like you do when you have low back pain, they would say, what happened to you? And I would say, well, I was injured. And they say, oh, I get it. You're damaged goods. And I thought, well, I just have to learn to live with it. Well, I decided maybe there's a way around this, and I could learn to live without it. And, and I, I have been so excited about the fact that I have had no pain at all for more than 20 years. And ongoingly, it's, it's a matter of kind of like breaking the spirit, um, seeing to it that I don't respond with my built-in self-protection mechanism that caused me to suffer as much as I did. So in answer to your question, for over 20 years, I've been contemplating and making notes, I would write something down, but I have a busy life. Uh, we have, um, altogether like 10 children and, uh, that's over a 32 year span. And, and so I, I have plenty on my plate with a practice where I have 30 employees, um, extended hours, family practice, and then my uh, work in sleep medicine as well because of, um, my, my interest in that, that I really didn't have a lot of time to sit down and put it all together. And so there were pages I would work for <clears throat> a few hours here and a few hours there on putting it together. But finally, I had to come to a point of synthesizing everything, organizing it and putting it in such a way that it was digestible. And so that just came to pass in this past year.
0: And how did you find the, the process of actually putting it all together into a book?
1: You know, I found someone to help me organize. And, and that, was, that was the key to making all of this happen, is getting someone who, um, who helps authors put their thoughts together in such a way that they can publish something and, and share the information with other people
0: and what's the reaction been like since you since the book was published
1: we've had really good response i'm 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 very excited to have my, my of course i have the books here and i have them on amazon for people to be able to pick up and um we we've, we've had great reviews and and i and i knew i knew what would come of it if i could just get the information out there and share it with people hmm. that i could only have so much impact On helping a number of people from seeing them on a daily basis. But when you're able to publish something like this, you can have such impact on so many more people's lives. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm just, I'm just wanting to share that information.
0: You mentioned that as well as working in pain, you also uh, do a lot in sleep. I mean, they seem to be very different areas. How, how is it that you ended up doing those two two different areas? You know, uh,
1: honestly, I have a lot of interests. Um, I take care of um, a lot of diabetics, hypertensives, hyperlipidemics. I have an extensive um, background in advanced lipid testing, as well as the art of taking care of various endocrine problems. Um, I've delivered over a 1,000 babies in my first 15 years as part of building the practice. Never lost a baby. Um, I do surgery every day. Um, I set broken bones. I take care of cold, sore throats, venereal disease, COVID, um, pneumonias um, various skin issues across the board i have i have a lot of interest and mm-hmm. so when people come to me not uncommonly i may have a problem list of 15 different things that i want to take care of at that visit and you know understand their time limitations you you have to focus on whatever it is you're you're going for but i can brush across a number of issues in one visit And tie things together. I'm very much interested in preventive care. I I tell people an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure.
0: And what was it about sleep that really appealed to you to to go into that area?
1: It was probably 12 years ago that I, I saw graphs and statistics of how heart disease came to people who have sleep-related breathing disorders. And so I with with an effort to not run onto the tangent too much, I can I can tell you that that it is truly the valley of the shadow of death. That the majority of people who have early heart disease have sleep apnea. 70% of the people who have high blood pressure have sleep apnea. And hearing that, you would say, then why doesn't everybody get a sleep study when they have High blood pressure. Well, that is my standard of care because of what I just said. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and what about breathing itself? Because it seems there's not so much, um, I don't know, research or not so much people focusing on, on the breathing aspect of it.
1: Is, is, Are you talking you about to? breathing at night just or, or just and breathing and, in general?
0: Yeah, and functional yeah. breathing and, and so on.
1: Yeah, and, and, and so there are pathological issues, um, so you have sleep obstruction, uh, you have restrictive problems, air trapping issues, asthma, COPD, emphysema, and, and there are medications that I'm very much familiar with that I utilize on taking care of all of those issues. And, and there's a tie-in between uh, pathology, uh, problems with function of breathing, that are tied in with sleep. And mm. so there's a marriage between all of the disciplines of of medicine including the techniques that I write about in resolving pain.
0: Mm. What tips would you give people? A lot of people have many problems with sleep. What are you, in your experience what are the what are the habits that could solve many people's issues with
1: sleep? We call those sleep hygiene issues. Mm. The most important one is go to bed at the same time every night, get up at the same time every day. There's the homeostatic mechanism where, where you make um, adenosine, uh, which builds up in the body as a sleep load, a sleep debt, a burden, if you will, that influences itself during the day. The longer I stay up, the busier I am, the more I feel like I need to sleep. And then there's the circadian rhythm, which is a 24-hour clock built into the base of the brain. And when you synchronize those, everything seems to work out better. When people get jet lag, there's a, there's a distinct problem with the synchronization of those two mechanisms. And so that's the idea. Go to bed the same time every day. Get up the same time every day. Try not to break that. Try not to nap. Use the bedroom only for sleep um don't um stimulate yourself before uh, going to sleep turn down the lights get off the screen stay away from bright lights or heavy social interaction heavy meal um those are some of the things that we that we talk about in terms of of how do you set your clock to um be synchronized in such a way that you can fall asleep easily and stay asleep
0: how long ago was the book published
1: yeah, it's it's just been this year that it okay. came out,
0: and so do you? Can you foresee yourself doing uh, any uh, other books in the future?
1: I have thoughts about other things I would like to promote and um, articles I would like to to publish in, in medical journals, um, and 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 that will all come. I'm I'm putting those notes together on the side and. And I thought that eventually I'll publish those.
0: And so just to because can you repeat the title of the book? So I don't think we've actually talked about the title of the
1: book. Resolving pain.
0: And so it's available on Amazon and all major bookstores, I presume.
1: Amazon is where we have it published right now. I'm I'm um, continuing to work on on how I can put it out there for people. I'm going to, to get a Spanish translation. I'm going to get an uh, auditory version so that people can just listen to the book. A lot of people like to just have the audio version mm. of a book. Mm.
0: And if people want to find out more about you, Paul, where would they go to?
1: We have a website on resolving pain. So if, if you look up Resolving Pain or look at my name, Paul Worrell, then you'll see uh, other information. My office is Um, And we have a website, of course, for the office.
0: And, and before we finish, Paul, is there, is there a quotation that you can think of that you particularly like?
1: Anything worth doing is worth doing well. Why does that resonate with you? It just has always been a theme I've had. Um, You know, I I work with the concept that as a physician, I'm privileged to be able to take care of my patients and I owe it to them to give my best.
0: Well, Paul, thank you for your time and I really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge with, uh, with our listeners. So thank you very much. Thank you. Next week is episode 15 with Dr. Andrea Pennington. Uh, she oh, There's so much that she's done. She's d- done numerous TED Talks, written quite a few books, spoken to audiences, like massive audiences. She's been on the Oprah Winfrey Show, the Dr. Oz Show. She's been interviewed on Dr. Uh, Mark Hyman's podcast and, and many other podcasts and TV shows. And she's a specialist in in self-compassion, self-care, and and some other areas as well. So we're going to hear from next week's episode with Dr. Andrea Pennington. Hope you enjoyed this week's show and see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Sign up for email updates and learn about coaching and workshop opportunities at TonyWinyard.com. See you next time on the Habits and Health Podcast.